And all through our work, and you'll, you'll love this, Julie, like we've become experts in, in culture and leadership and teams and so on. The red thread through all of that is we never saw a really healthy, engaged culture. We never saw really extraordinary leaders or, or really high-functioning and, and productive teams that didn't have that red thread of gratitude. They, they just didn't exist. They, they, they cheered for each other. They supported each other. They, they created safe places for people to talk about really important things. And, and that, those, those friendships and that, that, that theme of gratitude is, is there every time. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach. And I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast and wishing you a very happy new year. Welcome to season three of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm so excited you're here. And I wanted to share with you that as we start season three, you're going to see more and more people that are in the gratitude space as guests on the podcast. Over the past year, I've made connections with so many others who are just as passionate about gratitude as I am. So you'll be hearing from many of those guests as we start this new season. The first guest is Chester Elton. He is a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of over 14 different books. With his co-author, Adrian Gostick, they have written books such as Anxiety at Work and Leading with Gratitude, which we'll talk about during the podcast. He's an executive coach and a keynote speaker. Last year, he was named number three in the top 30 global gurus in leadership for 2021 and number four for organizational culture. In our conversation, we talk about how Chester became a thought leader in employee recognition, and we talk about what it looks like to be coaching leaders on how to create great places to work. This is an excellent podcast for anybody who is in a leadership position at work or is an entrepreneur in a leadership position, because so many of the things we share can be used in any type of leadership role. We really talk about what it means to take the happiness home. You know, we're in a world now where many, many more people work from home when possible. And so what happens is the lines between our personal life and our business life have truly been blurred. It's no longer possible to work with a team of people and ignore the fact that they have a personal life. In my opinion, it's much healthier if we create genuine connections with the people we work, especially when we're in leadership positions. So if that's you, you'll definitely want to be listening in to this interview. Now, I don't always tell you who's going to be on the podcast next week, but this time I just can't keep it to myself. I am so honored to be interviewing Kendra Hall for the podcast next week. She is a professional storyteller and is also a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Her brand new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, comes out next week on the same day that the podcast will be released. So I hope you'll be listening in to our interview next week on January 11th, 2022. If you're ready for a year of great interviews, more talk about gratitude and how it fits into so many different facets of our lives, 
and to grow as a leader and a human being, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and please help me welcome Chester Elton. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and today I am welcoming Chester Elton. Hi, Chester. Hi. Great to be with you, Julie. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Now, I'm going to share just a few things about Chester that uh, are pretty important. First of all, he is someone who absolutely builds his business, his life, his way of being on gratitude. He is a multiple New York Times and uh, Wall Street Journal bestselling author of books such as Anxiety at Work, Leading with Gratitude, and The Carrot Principle with his co-author and business partner, Adrian Gostick. He's also the host of the Anxiety at Work podcast. He is incredible. We connected through LinkedIn because he has this bi-weekly newsletter called The Gratitude Journal. And with over 125,000 people subscribed to this newsletter, myself included, I just love, love, love reading about the way that you're grateful. And uh, just to mention a few of the ways that Chester has been recognized by uh, his peers globally. So Global Gurus does a top 30 each year. And in 2021, he was named number three in leadership and number four in organizational culture. And just recently, uh, an organization called People Hum, they're based out of Asia, he was named the number two HR influencer in the world, as well as uh, the Thinkers 50, based out of London, he was named a top 50 mentor and coach in the world. So after that, Chester, so happy you're here. Welcome, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much. A delight. And you know, you're on Vancouver Island. I grew up in West Vancouver, so we got that Canadian connection. Yeah, that's so fun. And it was something I was like, I didn't ever saw that in your uh, bio. So I'm glad we have that connection. And it's so much fun to connect with someone who really lives their life around gratitude. It's in everything you do. It shows up in all the work that you share, uh, your personal life. I, you know, I see you sharing things about your, your grandchildren. Like it's so much fun to see this. And I'm really curious have you always been someone who has been thinking in this way? Did you grow up in a home that led with gratitude? Yes. You know, I, I really incredibly lucky. Uh, grew up in a ridiculously happy household. You know, my, my father, John Dalton Elton, and my mom, uh, Irene Tanner Elton, one of the great love stories of all time. You know, they were married for 65 years. I'm the youngest of five boys. And... Um, my dad was just a happy guy. My mom, you know, pushed us to, to do things that would bring joy and be of service to people. You know, my, my mom, I, it was it really interesting. I would wake up and there would be like these other kids in our house. And I wouldn't know why. I'd come to breakfast, you know, and I'd say, now, look, I know I live here. And it's clear that you live here now, too. So where did you come from? <laughs> and what are you doing here? Um, my mom just brought in people that just needed a helping hand. And it was it was really it was really lovely. She, a, a, a life of service. My mom was always uh, lending a helping hand, and my dad, just the happiest guy you've ever you'd ever meet. He uh, he just had a a way of making people feel good about themselves. He always liked to be around my dad. So yeah, I, I, I grew up in a, a very gratitude centered centered home, and very blessed to be so. That. It just makes me smile for those that are not watching the video. I can't stop smiling when I hear this story because to grow up at a different time than today, 
I mean, it was, you know, obviously a very different time in the world and to be in that kind of environment, to be brought up in that way, it's actually really beautiful to hear that. And, and, love how it's shaped, you know, the person that you are today. Now I mentioned in the introduction that you have a business partner and you told me that he is also your best friend. So how did you start working with Adrian? Yeah, great story. Um, so my dad uh, worked in radio, he was in radio stations and, uh, he had told us all, he says, you know, boys, nothing happens in the world until somebody sells somebody something. <laughs> so yes. we all went into sales, except for my older brother. He's he's a lawyer and we don't talk about him as much. Um, so we all went into like broadcast sales or uh, in, in some form or, or, or another. And um, and so I was in sales and I, I, I was in broadcasting and TV. And so I took a job with a recognition company out of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. So moved from, from Canada, went to university down in the States, and then uh, got a job in Detroit. And we moved to, to New York, got married, was having kids along the way. And I got an offer to work for a recognition company and to run a sales territory in New Jersey. Well, if you know New Jersey, it's kind of like the pharmaceutical capital of the world. You know, we'd always joke you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting a pharma company. And those were a lot of my companies, right? A lot of my customers. Well, I, I had this project with a consulting firm and it was all about employee engagement. And part of that was a recognition component. So they did the consulting and then I would supply the recognition programs and so on. Well, I said, Hey, this is a great partnership. How do I learn more about your company? He said, Oh, really easy. Look, here's a book written by our senior VP called the, the uh, employee equation. And I thought, well, this is brilliant. So I called our CEO at the time. We had a good relationship. His name's Ken Murdoch. And, um, I said, Kent, you know, if we became the thought leaders in employee recognition, it would make my job so much easier because as a thought leader, people would call you to get your advice. I wouldn't have to cold call. And we've got all this great data and all this great research, all these wonderful customers. We can tell their stories, make for a great book. Nobody has written the definitive book on employee uh, recognition. And he goes, ooh, I like that idea. Well, go ahead, write the book. I, mean, I don't think you quite understand what I just said. I said, like, you should write the book and then I would benefit <laughs> from this book. And he said something that was absolutely life-changing, Julie. He said, you know what, Chester, you're a smart guy. Figure it out. Mm. And so I thought, okay, um, I've got these crushing quotas. I've got all these young kids. I don't really have a lot of time. I'll give it a shot. So for about a year, literally, I was you know, thinking about titles and chapters and what would we say and who would be good customers to spotlight when he calls me back and he says chester i've always liked that idea about a book i've hired a writer his name is adrian gostick you know introduce yourself at the annual sales meetings and write the book so not only did he put out the challenge he then facilitated a way for the book to happen and adrian grew up in canada i grew up in canada we had that hockey thing you know in common mm -hmm. and um a year after that, we dropped a book on his desk. We had the cover designed and everything called Managing with Carrots. And that was the first of, we just finished our 14th book together. We've been writing together now over 20 years. We've written, you know, 14 books. We sold like, I think at 1.4, 1.5 million copies. They're in like 30 languages. And, and it all started with, uh, with Ken Murdoch saying, hey, you're a smart guy, figure it out. And then facilitating a way to get it done. Isn't that interesting? I love it. I love the way that 
life sometimes organizes itself in a way that allows you to choose to be successful and choose. You still have to do the work. Oh, there's yeah. still a book oh, to write. There's a lot of work. No question. Oh, there's, there's a lot of work. You know, we say, you know, you very glibly said, you know, 14 books, 30 languages, all these things. And it's like, yes, and a pile of work. But there is something also very beautiful about the fact that you were introduced to the right partner at the right time that could help this dream to facilitate and come true. And I mean, it could have just been a one book thing but it turned into really a career of doing things together. And that's exciting to me to hear that kind of business relationship, especially these days where people often go different places, different, you know, a lot of changes, a lot of the word pivot, we hear that a lot. So to have this relationship for so many years with a partner, uh, I adore that. And I have a feeling that it has something to do with the fact that if you're writing and leading about appreciation, I'm guessing that that shows up in the relationships and how you work with people. Oh, no, no question. You know, I, I, I'm forever grateful to Kent, you know, for creating the opportunity. And, and by the way, the, it wasn't like all of a sudden <clears throat> I stopped selling right. and started writing books. I mean, we were multitasking, you know, running sales territories, doing all kinds of fun stuff. And, and then it just, it transitioned because it got, you know, the book started to do really well. And then people would say, well, I liked your book. You speak on your book, don't you? And I went, sure. That sounds like fun. And then we, you know, we studied speakers and what was a good speech and what made it fun and what made it engaging. And, and, uh, and so we started to speak and then people would say, well, we loved your speech. You, you, uh, you have training that goes with this. Right. And we said, we could, we could have training. That sounds like a great idea. And we knew we had friends at Franklin Covey and these different wonderful mm-hmm. training companies and so we said, how, how do you take a book and turn it into training? And they taught us how to do that. And so we built a training uh, a business around that. And, and then we actually left OC, OC Tanner was the name of the company. We actually left OC Tanner. Uh, leadership changed and priorities changed. And uh, and so we, we, we chose to, to strike out on our own. We've been on our own now. I think we're in year 12 right now. And, um, and, and people would say, gosh, we love the training. We've got executives that could benefit from your coaching. Mm. Uh, and we said, you know, that's an interesting area. And so let's go study that. Let's go get certified in that. Let's develop a, a coaching philosophy around that. And so now one of the things that we just really enjoy is that one-on-one uh, coaching leaders on how to create great places to, to work. And, and all through our work, and you'll, you'll love this, Julie, like we've become experts in, in culture and leadership and teams and so on. The red thread through all of that is we never saw a really healthy, engaged culture. We never saw really extraordinary leaders or really high-functioning and productive teams that didn't have that red thread of gratitude. It just didn't exist. They, they, they cheered for each other. They supported each other. They, they created safe places for people to talk about really important things. And, and that, those, those friendships and that, that, that theme of gratitude is, is there every time. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? Oh, I... It's interesting because when I started this podcast, one of my goals was to connect with business leaders and entrepreneurs that had that thread of gratitude as a foundation for their business. Because I truly believe that when you build a business and you build it on a foundation of gratitude, it's much easier to succeed. If you start there, if you start with treating people with kindness and respect and appreciation, if you start with recognizing people for 
you know, all their accomplishments and not just, you know, blowing past, um, you know, every milestone and just, okay, that happened. Let's keep going. Cause often in business, you know, there, the goalpost is always moving. So it can be so easy to forget to celebrate and to recognize and to give thanks, especially in a corporate culture, when there's a team working, you know, how do we remember that this team is important? And, I'm curious about that. Like, how did you come up with a way to share this kind of, because you started at a time where emotional intelligence and talking about things like gratitude at work and and kindness and all these things that wasn't really common yet. So how did you bring that topic in? You know, great question. We, we really positioned gratitude as a key element to a healthy culture. Hmm. So it wasn't, you know, that gratitude's going to solve all your problems, although it kind of does, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Yeah. yeah. It's a little secret, right? Yeah. Is that um, if you look at the elements of a really healthy culture, you know, uh, clear communication, we, we talk about engaging, enabling, and energizing your people. Okay. Well, the engagement piece, you know, do I give my discretionary effort? Well, why would I do that? Well, I, I feel valued. I feel appreciated. Right. right. Enabled, have you trained them and given them the tools to, to, to do their work and deliver on the, on the values, promise, and the, and, and the vision of the, of the company? And then, you know, how do you energize people? How do you make them believe what they do matters, that they make a difference? And, of course, if you want to reinforce that behavior, when you see somebody who's really doing wonderful work, how do you energize them? Well, you, you recognize them. You, you, you remember to say what your mother told you when you were four years old, right? Remember to say thank you. Yeah. And, and so it all kind of uh, plays together. Now, one of the things that's really gratifying about talking about a really healthy culture and great leaders and teams is what we call the ripple effect. You know, one of my, we, we have, by the way, we have a database of over a million engagement surveys, right? We've got a, a motivators assessment. We have like 100,000 people have taken. So we've got all kinds of great data that we pull from. What is it that motivates people? What is it that engages? And what brings that emotional attachment to work? You know, the why, not just what I do and how I do it. Why do I do it? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's fascinating to me that when you are happy and engaged at work, you're 150% more likely to be happy and engaged in your personal life. Mm-hmm. So one of our missions is to really help leaders understand that not only, yes, you've got to stay in business. Bottom line is, you know, you need to make a profit. No mystery there. How do you get there, right? It's the soft skills that, that get you there. Hard skills are a must-have, right? I, I, I can check those boxes. If you really want to excel, you've got to be good at the soft skills. Soft skills are human skills. Nothing engages a human more than saying thank you for their work, being grateful for the time that they give you every day, and then to send them home happy. So the ripple effect is they treat their spouses better. They're more engaged with their kids. They contribute to their communities. Look, I've, I've lived long enough. I love this line. I got it from a, a sermon that I was reading the other day. Guy says, I've, I've lived long enough to remember when times were worse. <laughs> right? I remember. You think this is tough? Let me tell you So I remember when it was a lot worse than this, right? This idea of, you know, send people home happy. We've all had miserable jobs and we take that misery home. Well, let's take the happiness home. Let's, let's, let's reverse that. So I think there's a lot of responsibility on leaders for the whole person. And the pandemic has really shown a light on that. Yes. Right? Yes. It's not absolutely. just you showing up. It's, it's yeah. how, how did you show up? Where did you show up from? Yeah. 
how's your family? How's your health? You know, how do I, how do you fit? How do we go forward? So there's a lot more of, you know, my generation, check your personal life at the door. We call it work for a reason. You're here to work. Just buckle down, you know, and that's one approach. It's not particularly a, a winning approach these days. And yet it still does. It's still fairly prevalent. Yes, but it's people like you and Adrian that are doing this work that are helping to change that and to allow people to be human beings. We'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. My friends, I have a gift for you. I created a beautiful gratitude meditation that you can download directly to your phone. What I love about this gratitude meditation is that it's a great way to start your day. And I encourage you to turn your phone on airplane mode before you go to sleep. And the nice thing about having a meditation that's downloaded to your phone is that you don't need to turn your phone off airplane mode before you start your day with gratitude. So to access this gratitude meditation, please visit bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. It's all one word and gratitude, love, and letter are all capitalized. So that's bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. As a bonus, I'll be sharing with you my weekly gratitude love letter into your inbox. It's something that will bring joy and happiness and of course, gratitude to your inbox every single week. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. You'll hear about other podcasts and blogs and articles that I find interesting and want to share with you. And I also share some of my favorite photos that I've taken that week. So if we're not connected on social media, you'll get the best of wake up with gratitude in your inbox as well. All right, friends, let's get back into this episode of the podcast because wherever you are, there you are right? Wherever you show up, there you are. So when you, um, when you wrote the book leading with gratitude, cause that's how I feel. It's like, wherever I am, I show up. So am I personally, because gratitude is my brand. That's what I do. Am I leading with gratitude? So, um, your book leading with gratitude, was that written in mind for like the corporate leader or any kind of leadership role or personal leadership? I'm curious to see where that, that particular book came from. Sure. You know, our all our work, really, we say, look, we're the manager's best friend. Okay. The thing is, is that leadership is, by definition, I think, everybody. <laughs> it's, you know, you're leading your life, right? You're, you're leading your customer, you're leading your team, and so on. So while it's very uh, leadership-focused, there's no question that it, it very easily translates to your whole team. You know, we, we speak at conferences literally all over the world. Just got back from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And this week we we're in Austin, Texas, Providence, Rhode Island. And we're doing virtual stuff. We did a virtual thing this morning for Duracell in, in London. And tomorrow morning, a construction company in Moscow. I mean, you know, you're virtual now the hybrid world, you can, you know, you can be in three continents in the same week, right? Um, is that it's a message that translates to everybody. Okay. You know, uh, whether it's uh, speaking to the leader or being a good coworker, a good teammate, a good colleague, whatever, you know, title you use for, for people that work for your organization. Um, and, and really, it, it, leading with gratitude, the, the section of the book that I found the most engaging was the, uh, the take it home. All these wonderful leaders that we studied, 
They all took it home. They didn't leave their best self at work. They translated it in showing up and happy to see their families, uh, teaching their kids gratitude, teaching them how to serve, how to be kind. And uh, that's been really gratifying. Does it work in the in the business setting? Absolutely. We get a million engagement surveys and case studies at Infinite that'll, that'll prove the case in a business school sense, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that I love is, is that happy at work, happy in life, because we spend so much time at work. Isn't that a noble call for a leader? Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I love that you're really sharing the message of other ways to be grateful and to express gratitude outside of those office doors. Um, tell me a little bit about your own personal gratitude project that you've been sharing on LinkedIn. So you have your oh. own personal challenge that you've been doing. Yeah. So, you know, when the pandemic hit and everything shut down in, in March, and of course our business was, you know, 90 plus percent speaking at live conferences. So that went to zero in a matter of a heartbeat, you know? So I thought, well, I'm just going to post on LinkedIn just a photo of something I'm grateful for every day. And I said, I'm going to do it for a year. This is when, you know, we thought the pandemic was going to last at most, you know, yeah, maybe through the summer. I mean, yeah. certainly by you know <laughs> Christmas, it would be over, you know, nine months. Who could imagine? Well, and then I kind of lost track as to when I actually started. So I, I just made it a habit. So I, I, I'll post, you know, I'm. I posted that I was at a conference. I posted my grandson licking the chocolate off the beaters, you know, um, a sunset. I know you love sunrises and sunsets. Um, you know, we have a, a little place in upstate New York. That's my sacred place. I know you're on Vancouver Island there. It's just spectacularly beautiful. We have a little, a little place on a small lake in upstate New York. I love it because it's the Canadian shield. I mean, I'm in Canada again, you know, you grew up outside Toronto, you get it. It's not, in fact, it's about as far from our little lake place to Toronto as it is from our lake place back home uh, to New oh, Jersey. Wow. So it's kind of that mid and, okay. and, to, and to Montreal, actually. It's kind of this, you know, nexus point. And, and so, you know, those things that no matter how bad it gets and it can get bad and I'm not minimizing the impact that the pandemic has had on people and the losses, you know, the many lives that have been lost and that there's always something to be grateful for. Uh, to to know that you're learning and you're growing and you're developing, and, and that challenges can and crises can be turned into learning moments and and uh, a great opportunity. You know, when Adrian and I decided to leave uh, the company where we work, it was really a, it was a very difficult decision yeah. and heart wrenching because we loved the company. I, I I I worked at that company for 19 years. I loved that company with my heart and soul. It was just very obvious that we didn't fit there anymore. You know, there'd been a change in leadership and they're all good leaders. You know, companies change direction and that's okay. And that's okay. And and you've got to change directions and you've got to move on and that's okay. It doesn't mean it's easy right. or that it's not going to be fraught with a lot of emotion and a lot of heartache. And that's kind of part of the package. The thing is, is you step back and I had great advice from a friend of mine because I was very, I mean, we stepped into the abyss, Julie. I mean, we had these great jobs. They were paying us well. We had expense accounts. We traveled. It was it was very safe. To like now, it got very real. It was eat what you kill, right? Wait, how, mine, how old are you around this time? Oh, um, your forties or? Now it's uh, yeah. I was uh, right around fifty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, I'm just putting it into context because. 
that is a big change at that time in your life to say, we're going to go do something on our own uh, rather than in your, you know, late thirties. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a big difference in the trajectory of your life when you're in your, you know, early fifties versus in your early thirties. So that is just to put it into context of how much harder that change would have been at that time. Yeah. And this is, this is right around the time, by the way, there were all these age discrimination suits and stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, that could be me, you know? Yeah. Um, and and real. there is that moment when you realize that there's less in front of you than there is behind you, mm-hmm. you know, and time gets a little more precious. Where are you going to spend it? So that was, that was an interesting transition. And, and I, I great advice I got from a friend of mine. He said, uh, enjoy the journey. And I thought, what's there to enjoy? I'm under an immense amount of stress. You know, I still have a mortgage. I've still got kids and, you know, university to pay for it. And he said, yeah, but think about all the stuff you've done and where you are and people are hiring you and you're still traveling the world. And sit me down again, take a deep breath and look around and go, this is amazing. I mean, seriously, if, if, if I went to Hillside High School in West Vancouver. If anybody in my English class had said, which one of you here is going to be a New York Times bestselling? Like, Trust me, I would not be in the top 30. And there were only 28 kids in the class. <laughs> so it's um, yeah. it, it's been it's been a wild ride. It's been a wonderful ride. By the way, to explain that to my, if anybody from Hillside High, class of 78, <laughs> is watching this, uh, this show, or 76 actually, is Adrian's the writer. And they go, oh, okay, now it makes sense. Yeah, you, you, you've, your partner's the writer. I go, yeah, you, oh, okay. Now it's now it's believable, you know. So it's been a wonderful partnership. And you think, you know, partnerships that have lasted more than 20 years, there's not a lot of them. No, no, not even forget about like, you know, romantic partners. I mean, business partners, partnerships of greater than 20 years. It's pretty incredible to have that. And uh, and that you're still happy working together. That's the other thing. Yeah, right? There's I, joy in the work that you're doing. Yes. And, you know, we've got another project that we've got on the board for, for, for our next book. And uh, we're very excited about it. And I think one of the keys to our success is I, I live just outside New York City in Summit, New Jersey. And Adrian lives in uh, Park City, Utah. So we're about 2,000 miles apart. And I think that's helped. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't see each other too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, especially in the past couple of years, it's definitely been less. Oh. Absolutely. I wanted to get back to something that you mentioned because I was curious around, because you do, I mean, coaching is a part of who you are, your DNA. That's a big part of what you're doing. How do you coach people around loss and gratitude? Because it has been for a lot of people, there have been a lot of losses. I mean, you even said yourself, your own business went from, you know, 90% traveling, speaking to zero that's a massive loss. And I'm just wondering how you help people cope with these kind of losses that they've been to and how gratitude can help them. You know, such a wonderful uh, question and it, it's not easy, right? Because we're, we're, we're wired to protect ourselves. And when anything goes wrong, we, we jump to how do I protect myself uh, rather than what's the opportunity? And so it is hard to all of a sudden say, okay, so here's where we are. Um, You know, some of the greatest companies came out of the recessions, right? Microsoft and and Apple really took off, you know, in in recessions. I mean, uh, think about what what happened to Amazon. Oh, my gosh. I mean, 
Amazon tripled in value, quadrupled in value uh, during the pandemic. So there, there's there's always a way forward. And, and gratitude, I think, can be very much a, a, a balm for that and say, look, no matter how bad it gets, uh, you know, we're, we're not boiling our shoes, you know, to get the gluten out of the leather to, to sustain ourselves. I mean, Literally, there have been times that have been a lot worse than what we've gone through, although this is our crisis. And so it's maybe the worst that we've been through is to is to take a look and say, you know, what are we learning? Where are the opportunities? Where can I be of value? Where can I be of service? Let's see what we've got. What are we grateful for? What can we build on? And like I said, look, it's easy to say it doesn't mean that it's not hard. Anything worth doing is, is generally speaking hard, right? So we went, you know, we went through the denial like everybody else said, oh, you know, two, three months, they'll figure it out and we'll flatten the curve. Remember that? We'll, oh, flatten. Yeah. we'll be fine. <laughs> um, and of course, then it didn't. The curve didn't flatten. And um, so that kind of stuff, you know, I think is, is, is really takes you back to, well, what do you value? Yeah. You know, what are you really made of? Who are the people around you? You know, are they the kind of people that build you up and and support you and rally to the cause? And um, yeah, I'm kind of talking in a lot of platitudes here, but the the idea is is that look, I, I, there's no mistake. I, I look around and say, as as bad as things can get for me, 99% of the world would trade places with me in a heartbeat. You know, I'm not worried about my next meal. I'm not worried about walking out of my door and getting shot. I'm not worried about a civil war. You know, so th- those are things to all be grateful for. And you say, okay, well, that's kind of the bare minimum. You say, well, yeah, build on that. Yeah. Build on that. It's interesting because that's a lot of the the ways that I help people to practice gratitude is I focus on a lot of simple things. So reminding people that just turning on your tap and having drinking water is a place to start with gratefulness because okay. that that is millions of people will never, ever have that. Uh, you know, there's just access to clean drinking water from all your taps, your shower, your toilet. It's a simple thing. And what's interesting is it's, it's not that my life is harder or better or, you know, than yours or whatnot. It's looking for ways within our own place our where we live, finding the tiniest things that we can have gratitude for knowing that you know, we often take so much of it for granted. So even in the hardest moments, just pausing for a moment and, you know, so many people have this, you know, this, the phone, right? Like what, if you have a phone and access to the internet, that what you can do with that device, you can change the world with your internet and your phone. Yeah. Well, you know, and just over your shoulder there, you know, the, the, the beauty of nature, the gift of nature. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that um, a lot of spirituality in the world has ebbed because so many people live in cities where you've got light pollution and noise pollution and you don't, you don't get that chance to commune with nature as much as you should. I mean, you're so blessed mm-hmm. to live on Vancouver Island. I mean, you step out your door and you're in the middle of some of the most beautiful places on the planet, you know. Um, the Japanese have a, a tradition of forest bathing. Mm-hmm. They go just walk in the forest and just let nature just envelop you. Yeah. 
And it's just so healthy and it's just so wonderful. I mean, how can you not be grateful for that? You know, so I really do believe that uh, gratitude can be very much a healer. You know, I, I've kept a gratitude journal for, for a few years now. And I, I try not to miss a day. I, I mean, there are days when I miss, uh, you know, travel and whatever. But the idea of just at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, just jotting down a few things that you're grateful for, I think is really a, a wonderful ritual and a practice that allows you to stay in that good, positive mental state. I agree. I agree. I do the same. Been gratitude journal at night for over a decade and morning practice um, has started about now two and a half years ago. I agree. It just, it's, I call it the bookends of your day. It's the part of the day that you have the most control over. So then you choose how you act during that time. Um, Chester, I have a couple more questions before we wrap things up. One is I'm very curious about something you shared on LinkedIn that I have never seen before. And this is at the Rockefeller Center, a giving machine. Can you share what this is? You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's called Light the World. Um, I, I grew up in a very spiritual family. You know, we're, we're devout members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, better known as the Mormons. And a few years ago, the church decided that they wanted to give back a way to light the world. So they created these vending machines and it just looks like a vending machine. The thing is, you know how you go to a vending machine, you put in your money and it gives you something. Yes. Well, this vending machine, you go in and you swipe your card and you give something. And it's really interesting. They've got uh, global charities, water. You mentioned, you know, the clean water in, in Africa. So there's some global charities and then they always have local charities. So there's, I think now, I think it's in like year four or five, uh, there were like 10 of these machines around the, the U.S. And this year they put one at Rockefeller Center. So we volunteered to man the machine. So my wife and I volunteered just a two hour, you know, a volunteer um, from 8 to 10 p.m. at Rockefeller Center. By the way, Rockefeller Center, come on. At Christmas time, it's magical. Yeah. Just to I, be there. like Yeah. <laughs> two hours at Rockefeller. Yeah, sure. You know, if I must. I, I will sacrifice my time for that. <laughs> so, and it was really funny. We'd bring people and they said, well, like, what is this? Said, yeah. So there's, uh, you know, a foundation, uh, the Mariano Rivera, he's a famous pitcher for the New York Yankees. And he's got a foundation to, to clothe and feed the, the, the homeless and the hungry. Well, for $5, you can give a pair of mittens. Right. And I'll tell you what's so fun, Julie, is so you, you select the number, you know, 285 mittens, $5, swipe your card. And then like a vending machine, it comes up. And it, goes, and it drops and you feel, ah, no, you don't get it. It just drops in the machine, right? And then we go, and here's your sticker. Aww. We go, and it makes people feel so good. Now, the great thing about my church is we cover all the administrative costs. So that $5, that $5 goes to buy those mittens yeah. to get those mittens to the Mariano Vera oh. uh, Foundation. And, and you can give like, one of my favorites is chickens. It was very popular. You can give two chickens to a family so that they can, you know, yeah. get and, and, yeah. and so on. A goat is a, is a good one. So, and, and then in New York, there was a great um, a charity for actors that were put out of work from the pandemic. Yes. And it was it was healthy meals and it was masks and it was, you know, counseling and just a lovely, lovely. Well, last year, I think they had eight machines around the around the country, raised over six million dollars in donations. From eight machines. Wow. 
And see, here's here's where gratitude comes in, right? Yeah. Like, if you get the news feed on your phone, you, you spend a, an hour on the news feed, you think, well, I should just kill myself. You know, I mean, there's no, you don't go to your news feed to, to get cheered up, right? Then you go to these, these giving machines and you see all these little cars with all these mittens and chickens and, and it's piled high. And you go, you know what? There was a good person that did that. There's good people everywhere. Yeah. And we should be grateful for the goodness that we find in everybody, whether it's you know $5 for mittens or $25 for chickens or whatever it is. When you ask people to give and to help out that are less fortunate, they do. And I'll tell you what's fascinating, Julie. Yeah, there are some people that come up and you can say, wow, you know, they're very well to do. You know, the people that give the most are the people that don't have a ton. Because they know what it's like. They know what it's like to be without. And if they've got an extra five bucks, they're happy to give it to you. Isn't that lovely? Yes, I love that. And I'm so glad you told me this story about it because I was very curious. I was like, this is incredible. What an initiative. And what it, what I love about it too is if you're giving someone else a pair of mittens, or if you're giving someone else clean water, it allows you a moment of like, of pause that, oh, I already have these things. These are already available to me. And it gives an opportunity for gratitude in that moment as you're, you're gifting. So I think too, gifting a specific thing often helps people to be more, you know, willing to give because they know exactly what they're doing. And sometimes you feel like $5 isn't a lot, but if you know that you just bought someone some socks or some mittens, it it's great. I'm so happy you shared that with us. What a wonderful yeah, and one last thing on that, you know, what really is lovely is when you see parents bring their kids in. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, what should we give? And that ripple effect through their children, like, hey, we've got enough. Yeah, let's give it. Let's give somebody mittens that doesn't have mittens. What do you think about that? And they, oh, and they light up. They just light up. Let's light the world. Lighttheworld.org. Go, go check it out. Lighttheworld.org, and and you can give online. And why not? Yes. And I love this episode is going to come out in January. And I think it's important to remember that giving is needed year round. We focus a lot of our giving efforts around the holidays, but there are people that need help and support and, you know, our gratitude and our love all year round. So uh, please, if you're watching this and it's, uh, you know, a different time of year, still check it out because somebody around the world needs those chickens to lay the eggs. I actually, (laughs) I live in a place where we can have chickens in our yard. So, but I understand like the value of a chicken, they don't cost a lot to feed and they do feed your family. So chickens is an amazing, uh, an amazing thing to donate. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. Awesome. Well, Chester, I've loved our time together. Um, I want to ask, where is the best place for people to connect with you or find you on the web? Yeah, so connect with me on LinkedIn. We post stuff literally every day, our gratitude journal, uh, which is uh, wonderful. Yeah, you know, we started that kind of on a whim, a recommendation from a friend, and we've got 126,000 subscribers. It's ridiculous. Um, Great articles. So LinkedIn is a great place to to, to find me and Adrian and, and our work, our podcast, Anxiety at Work, number one issue in the workplace, eight strategies on how to deal with anxiety. You'll love it. The eighth strategy is gratitude. gratitude. Yeah. And our website, uh, thecultureworks.com. You know, we're big believers that when you get the culture right, everything else uh, works really well. So it's thecultureworks.com. Our books are available everywhere. Leading with Gratitude is our favorite book. We just we published it right before the pandemic. 
And uh, Anxiety at Work is our latest work, and we think probably our most important work. So I'd recommend those two books. Thank you so much. So as we wrap things up, Chester, if you wanted to leave us with, if we were just to start one gratitude practice, one thing, what would that be for you? Well, let me give you two. One is one we've already talked about, which is a gratitude journal. I'm a big believer. My wife and I, we end every day by saying, what are your three? What are three things you're grateful for? And it's often many more than three, right? The second thing is, is a practice of just a random act of kindness every day. Just a random act of kindness. I've developed a really fun ritual. I uh, I carry with me, and you, you'll remember this from our last uh, gratitude journal, I, I, I gratitude stone. Mm-hmm. And you can get them on Amazon. It's less than a dollar, right? It's just a river stone with gratitude etched on it. And when I see people doing just, Things that maybe nobody says thank you for it. The other day I was uh, doing my meditation up by our park and the guy was taking care of the grass. And I said to him, I said, you know what? Um, my name's Chester. What's your name? Dennis. Important to get names, right? It, it really personalizes people. I said, you know, Dennis, I know that when people call you at City Works, it's always to complain about something. Nobody calls to tell you, by the way, the fields looked great today. Nobody does that. So I want to buck the trend. And I want to tell you, I've lived in this neighborhood for 30 years. And you guys take great care of these fields. And I've got a little something for you just to to remember that all those little things you do don't go unnoticed. And it's a little gratitude stone just to express my gratitude. I got to tell you, Julie, you think I passed that guy a Fabergé egg. And he goes, I'm going to put this on my desk. I'm going to remember this. And I said, you know what? If you want to have fun with it, pass it on. Pass it on. Little, little random acts of kindness and memorialize it with just a little stone. It's, it's a wonderful way to lead if you're leading in business. It's an even better way to just live. Oh, Chester, that is a wonderful way to end our conversation. I have truly enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for saying yes to being a guest on the podcast. I am so excited to share you with our audience of Gratitude Ambassadors and just Truly appreciate the work that you're doing with Adrian. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. It's been a delight meeting you as well. And I envy where you live on Vancouver Island. What a beautiful place. You must be grateful. I absolutely do not take for granted that this is where I get to wake up every single day. So thanks, Chester. Take care. If you stick around to the end of the podcast, you know that I love to share a secret at the end. So this secret relates kind of back to the conversation that Chester and I were having about leadership and employee recognition. And I just want to share a story about two amazing bosses that I had during one of my corporate jobs. Now, my corporate career was fairly short-lived. I worked for a few different companies for about six years after I graduated from university and really, truly decided that that wasn't going to be the life for me, which is the topic for another end story. But what I'll tell you today is that I actually worked for DuPont, yep, the chemical company here in Canada, and I had two amazing bosses, Stuart and Tracy, and they really treated us as human beings. They had positive attitudes, they were excellent at giving feedback, and they recognized and rewarded their employees. And even though that was probably over 20 years ago now, I still remain friends with them to this day and just remember the example that they set for leadership. So I just invite you to never underestimate how powerful this kind of leadership can be and how your leadership today could potentially impact someone's life 
for the next 20 years. So thank you so much to Stuart and Tracy for just being the great bosses that I just was so grateful to have and for the roles that you played in my growth and in my career after that. Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.